1: my
0: first time at the rodeo all right everyone we have returning champ mr william ramsey and i've been so looking forward to this conversation today how are you william
1: doing great thanks for the invite back i'm glad to be here
0: Yes, I am so excited because today we're going to talk about the Smiley Face Killers. And I was kind of looking into another episode that you had done about the Smiley Face Killers. And I didn't realize how complex it was because it's like not just a killer. It's all over the world, multiple different, like, I guess it would be like a cult, right? Of killers.
1: Something like that. It's a new a new phenomenon, is what I would term it. Something kind of a modern phenomenon.
0: So, when would you say that it got started? Like in the eighties?
1: I think so. I think so. The earliest case cases are in the nineties, and it was kind of the name. It got the name "smiley face killers" from the two original investigators, Gilbertson and Gannon, who wrote a book called "Case Studies and Forensic Drownings," and they correlated this these kind of strange disappearances in water deaths to a usually spray painted smiley face. So that's how this phenomenon got its name originally. But I think that one of the earliest cases was out of New York that Gannon, who worked as a New York police officer, saw. And then uh, that was kind of the earliest case was this uh, young college age student who went to Fordham University and who disappeared out of a bar in Manhattan was later found in kind of a water treatment facility. And uh, so he got the kind of nickname as Victim Zero. But this phenomenon, the kind of phenomenon of of people being found in water really precedes this particular kind of case arc or whatever, this kind of grouping, because it used to be done by the mob would put people after they'd murder them in, in water. So, but this is something specific differentiated from that, which is young men being usually out at night, bars disappearing to be found later in water past the time when they should have been found. So that's how this phenomenon and kind of were, is distinguished. From
0: they were gay too, right?
1: Uh, there's definitely a preponderance of some that are, I think that there's a, a major, a large proportion outside of the norm of what the gay population is, but not all mm-hmm. of them are, but there are a lot of them probably are younger and Gilbertson who is a professor Of criminology actually trace their body mass they're never overweight they're always usually younger and athletic they have a certain body type which is different like they're not big Mm
0: -hmm. linebacker
1: types or like linemen and college football or something like that so and they're uh, usually
0: like pretty attractive kind of like The way you described it one time was almost kind of like how Jeffrey Dahmer chose his victims. He didn't care the race. He didn't care, like, he wasn't going after anyone specifically as far as, like, race or anything like that. He just wanted to find the most attractive man in the room, pretty much. Like, he had a specific physique that he liked,
1: it's interesting you say that because I did make a tie, and I did a study when I first originally started looking into these cases around 2016 of a lot of gay serial killers. Dahmer was one of them. Another was a guy named Kraft who had like 100 victims in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. Eiler was another one in the Midwest. And you kind of followed them. They have like what they did, they found their victims very much like some of Dahmer or very much like the smiley face killer victims were there in a bar, often a gay bar. So you see these odd correlations, and uh, it is interesting that you see that. So I think that, you know, you can go look at the pictures. They're young, handsome, like, you know, I think they fit a certain demographic. They're typically, you know, athletic, good-looking, younger men, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about it is that they're found in water, but that's not the cause of their death. Their death is not by drowning.
1: Well, they might have, like, something strange may have happened elsewhere, but they're typically determined to, like, at first glance drowned. but sometimes they're found with, like, I think one of the original victims that Gannon and Gilbertson studied had was found and had water in his lungs from a different area, so he wasn't in the, in the uh-huh. same body of water he was found. Um, some don't have the evidence of drowning in him, which is, like, a very specific physiological changes happen when you when a person drowns so they're found in water and that's one of the big mistakes people do when they analyze these cases is they assume that they have drowned in the body of water where they're found but that's like i think that's what the perp wants people to believe uh, i think mm-hmm. this mo is used because to fool the public and the police um into thinking that these are accidental drownings so but they're they're definitely found in water and the, one of the strange things is like often in standard drownings during the day, somebody sees somebody go in the water or they hear mm-hmm. the cry for help. And almost none of these cases has that happened. Where like, we saw Bob, he was drinking, it was one, he decided to go into the water. We saw him swimming around and then we lost him. That, that story almost never happens in these cases. These are all cases where Joe started acting, He was in a bar, started acting strangely, disappeared. And oftentimes they're they're lost for a long period of time. When I first started looking into these cases, it was during my kind of study of a, of Aleister Crowley, and I started noticing these smiley faces in the common culture. So the the smiley face isn't particular to these this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You can see it in Alan Moore. You can see it in some of these earlier uh, some music videos. In kind of uh, the underground rave scene, uses the smiley face often. So I was seeing that. And what it made me think of was like I remember people talking about this phenomenon, and I thought it was an urban myth. So I just was like, it just was in the back of my mind. I started researching, and I found some other researchers who are credible, still credible. Jim Smith, you can look him up, and uh, started following it. And really, the first case was a case that I followed out of Columbus, Ohio, a guy by the name of Joey LeBute. and I literally followed that case from his disappearance, followed the news news reports to his eventual finding of his body in a previously searched area of the Cioto River, S-C-I-O-T-O River, in a kind of a very tame area. It's actually it was kind of like a, in a side waterway. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that was really how I kind of started. I was like, wow, if they find this guy in water, I'm going to freak out. And he fit all of the same parameters of these types of cases. Young guy, healthy, good looking, gay, in a bar. Nobody sees what happens to him, and then he's found, you know, 19 days later. So that's kind of the mystery. That was really how I I, I disabused this notion of being an urban myth, was disabused for me. And then I what? followed in, yeah, sorry.
0: Oh, sorry. I didn't want to um, interrupt. Well, I was just saying, like, like
1: once, once I saw the pattern happening over and over, and it's happened more recently, we can go into the more recent post-COVID lockdown cases. But the second one that I watched was uh, one that was covered by Gilbertson and Gannon in an Oxygen series, a young man, also gay, by the name of Dakota James. And so the same pattern happened where he disappeared. He was in, he was kind of bar hopping. Mom said he wasn't a, a big drinker. He was a captain of his swim team, which is really crazy. And he disappeared for 40 days later to be found. That's the one
0: I was going to ask you about. That is so it's like they don't just drown and they find them the next day. That's what's really interesting to me is there's like a big gap in between when they go missing and then when they're later found. And then this guy is the captain of the swim team. So you would have thought if he got dumped in some water, if he was still alive, he would have been able to either a hold his breath or swim to safety.
1: And it, it's kind of a strange credulity to think that they can somehow make it to water, but once they fall in, they lose all of their, you know, uh, control yeah. of their body. So there's a lot of problems with the analysis of these are accidental uh, drownings. And he, I mean, that's a very important case, a more modern case than the earlier 14 cases that Gilbertson and Gannon, like this was fairly recent, I think in the last four years or five, no, maybe it was 2016. Time has passed. But uh, you can see that because that was very much covered by the media. His parents got involved, were asking questions. The involvement of Cyril Weck, a very, very famous, very well-respected forensic pathologist, was hired as a third party to look at that case and found something different on his body that was much different than the paid-for forensic pathologist in Pittsburgh, which was the tracings of rope burns around his neck which you can see in a picture if you do some research anybody's uh-huh.
0: interested you can go by and
1: find that and one of the other things which is really disturbing about his disappearance and water death is that he did he was found for literally 40 days later and he looked like he had probably fell in the water two two days ago like his body was actually almost in perfect shape really which indicates that he's alive for a long period of time yet
0: do they ever do an autopsy on these bodies to see if they were sexually like anything like that going on with them?
1: It's a really good question. And I think so. those autopsies, those are state evidence. The families can obtain them. And some of the, the autopsies, some families don't. They just go with the conclusion of what the examiner says. In my opinion, after looking, particularly Dakota James, they clearly. I'm not a, I'm not a trained forensic pathologist. I can Mm -hmm. tell there's something wrong with, there's something that was around Dakota James's neck. Uh, Yeah, I don't need to be a doctor. So some of these cases, they've not, some haven't come out. Now the original case, year zero, uh, his name was McLean or whatever. The family never saw the autopsy. It was, they just did an autopsy, filed it away. So the family went back and looked at the autopsy, gave it to Cyril Weck. And he said, Hey, this guy's been hit. There's evidence he's been hit in the head with a hammer. Like there's literal prong marks on his head and he looks like he's been blowtorched from above the waist. So that's a real problem. Like, so that oh indicates, God. yeah, indicates torture prior to entering water. Another case in Minneapolis, Minnesota was Chris Jenkins. who The same thing happened. The, the police said, Oh, your, your son has met an accidental death and the, the family, um, I can't remember his mom's name, but she just accepted looked into it, decided to get the autopsy. Photos and pictures, and the body of Chris Jenkins had a clump of hair in his hand that wasn't his, so it doesn't make any sense. And they, like, so,
0: but the official so they overlooked was that accidental no, this accidental is a, drowning,
1: right? And to get this to the credit of the police in Minneapolis, once the newer evidence came out and was reevaluated, a new police chief changed it, changed the determination of death. I think it was from accidental drowning to misadventure or, you know, something Mm -hmm. where, so they changed once they got more facts. And you can just go through, like I did a three and a half hour documentary back in 2017. You can watch it. Nobody's disputed the facts because I just got them off the internet. It wasn't super Mm -hmm. complex. I didn't have to do any legwork, but you can go back and look at all those cases and look at all the discrepancies found in the same area, missing for a long time mom says it's out of their behavior this isn't normal behavior for my son wasn't a big drinker wasn't drunk you know and then these the guys smiley face right so that's kind of like where things go into kind of a strange territory because you can go back and kind of look at these keys in the modern culture that 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 symbol has a deeper kind of uh there's an esoteric meaning to it And Mm -hmm. that's where it gets pretty dark. So you can go back and look at Alan Moore's The Watchman. The comedian is the character in there. He has the smiley on all of his stuff. I think it's on his uh, lapel. And it shows up in weird places, too. So David Bowie's the star, uh, his last video. Black Star has has the smiley face on it. You'll see it in weird places like uh, the character in Stephen King's the stand has a smiley face tattoo or uh, uh, decal, but it's all over. Mm-hmm. And these characters and the character of the comedian in in the Alan Moore book, which became a movie, this is a person who laughs at killing people, like he's almost like a Joker character.
0: And mm-hmm. so, uh,
1: you, I think it has a philosophical theme to it, and it's I don't think it's uh, tied to this phenomenon at random it's 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 a meaningful it has a meaningful uh, and it
0: definitely has a meaning behind it for it to be a global issue this with like the cause of death how they were found finding the smiley face and it's like if it was centralized in one time period in one state you'd say it's a serial killer but for it to be like nationwide you know all over the world it's like multiple people are in on this and they know about it so I don't know I guess it's like the like you said this symbology of the smiley face is almost laughing like ha, look what I did kind of like the joker so. you know like a psychopath oh, yeah. would do I
1: think so I think so and I think that that's I think this phenomenon is something that's tied into the availability of travel, international travel and communications. So I think somebody's sharing some information on the dark web or through FetLife or some kind of BDSM thing. They seem to know this MO, you can kind of get away with a real crime. And I think they've gotten away with it. There's probably two to 300 cases like this globally. So like when I first made my first documentary, I included the US and UK, because those are the case, those are English speaking countries where I could do it. But my second mm-hmm. documentary, I include all these cases from Germany, from France, Spain, um, the ones that I know, and it's still popping up. Like there's more cases that come to my attention. People send me stuff. So I get cases from Sweden, Estonia. It's happening. All, it's a global phenomenon. It's happening in a lot of places. There was a new case that I had, not just in the US, but Netherlands. Young man, fits the same profile, out drinking, disappears. These guys are being found in water where if you fell in, you could just stand up. Like it Oh doesn't- my gosh, yeah, that's
0: bad. just so bizarre. Yeah,
1: it's very strange.
0: And so- there was one that I, I heard you mention where the body of water where the guy was found was almost impossible to get to. And it was behind like fences or like crazy, some kind of crazy area where you would never be able to even get to.
1: Yeah, no, there's weird things like that reservoirs like somebody would have to go in i mean if you were a perpetrator it would be ideal because nobody would see you right doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. but uh for a person to like wolf like hey i'm gonna go for a swim over this fence walk you know 100 meters and then jump in here with nobody watching just some of these things are like i said strained credulity it just doesn't make sense so i think that's the
0: water is symbolic of something
1: that's a great question
0: because the, so just to tie back into like our last episode together the west memphis three boys were found in water
1: interesting you make that connection i do think something's going on water are in like the occult the water represents kind of spirit and there's this whole concept of like dispersion of energy uh connection mm-hmm. to the underworld through water so like in the old mythos neptune is in the underworld the underground so he's symbolic of a lot of things. So you see like in the ONA, the trident, they use the trident. Because in the great old cosmic war, the gods made it to Olympus and thrust these people out into the nether worlds, like the underworld. So it's almost kind mm-hmm. of a symbolic, like a mythological symbolism of kind of heaven and hell. So the underworld, uh, if you think in those terms, like a magical worldview or a mythological worldview, then the water... And the under, you know, the deep water has a representation to you that's, you know, uh, kind of like uh, like Tartarus or hell or one of these other terms. That are used. Or
0: like crossing the river Styx, something right, so like the, that.
1: And that's all, I mean, it's, you can look at like the iconography of some of these occult groups and there's water, there's all kinds of water, um, sacri- mm-hmm. sacrificial stuff. Like I'm not an occultist, so I don't know some of the deeper stuff but like i can see connections so like at the end of lucifer rising kenneth anger who considers himself a a magician and a warlock you can see him taking a representative human figurines and dropping him into water and then the beings arrive you know so it's almost like he's using it as a summoning thing so yeah uh the water yeah so it gets pretty, I mean, if you're into the, like, the really dark occult stuff. And those, and, and like you mentioned, the West Memphis Three, two of those children were drowned. So they mm-hmm. were drowned in, according to the forensic analysis. So.
0: And so it also reminds me, and I've had conversations like this, like with my husband and my brother. And it's like, if you have a certain amount of money and you could buy anything you wanted and you could do anything you wanted. At some point, it just doesn't do it for you anymore and you have to up the ante in some way. And why I say that is like the movie Hostel, where they go and they get these people, they take them back to like this underground place and these elites of the world pay to torture. Like people like you and I, they pay to torture us to death in despicable, (laughs) disgusting ways. And that's what it reminds me of.
1: It's really interesting you said that because other people have made that connection to Hostel. And also I had a friend who I've interviewed and she's like, I bet they're being kept and somebody's flying in. Somebody's being flown mm-hmm. in for this thing, super dark, high paid. And there's elements of these cases that there is a selection process. Like Joey Labute was on the gay apps, right? He's on Grinder and some of these other apps. So somebody may see his profile. He doesn't think of it in that thing. He's thinking, you know, I'm going to have a hookup or whatever, but somebody else Mm -hmm. is thinking, oh, that's, that's my selected victim. Now, if we can go back to Dakota James, there's a a journalist named Nicole Wysensee Egan, who wrote some really great journalism for The Beast about his case, because what she found out after talking to some of his friends is that Dakota James had had kind of a semi-abduction experience before he disappeared. He called a friend and said, I don't know where I am. Um, can you come pick me up? Somebody went and picked him up. He had blacked out. He didn't know where he was. The person saw like a a black said, like, a, almost like a black limo, kind of like one of those SUVs. Mm-hmm. Limos. So like all these connections is that he was involved in, in the orbit of very dangerous people. And that probably didn't see the, the warning signs. And so that would indicate, and the other interesting thing about Joey the Butte is that his disappearance took place on something that happens. I think it's the number one bodybuilding uh, convention in the world, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic in Columbus, Ohio, every year. So that's where he disappeared. Now imagine somebody who's a perp, they know that they're not in their same jurisdiction. They fly in, weird things happen, they fly out you know so it's plausible so this whole thing of people like uh my understanding like you want to know how dark it gets in the ukraine the ukraine had some kind of child rape facility where they would sell the kids to chinese sex travelers not traffickers so the kids would stay there children would stay there the chinese would fly in, abuse them and leave and all that you look at epstein and the, the whole thing we're in that environment now almost like a roman slave auction so you could you could i think it's not outside it's very dark but it's not outside the realm of possibility that uh
0: it's almost like they're they're representing the elements because they fly in right that's the air one of them looked like they were blowtorch. There's the fire, and then they're found in water, and it's like it's so elemental almost, and, and like it's dirty, it's dark, and it just reeks of occultism to me.
1: It, it does for me too, kind of like that's kind of like where, the, like in my mind frame after writing about the Western officer and Crowley. I'm seeing that same kind of mystery thing. Like, what's the symbolism? What's the dark stuff? It's usually very carnal. In my first documentary, I focused on this guy, Peter Christofferson, who liked Crowley and was a member of the Illuminates of Thanateros that Leary and Burroughs were in. Um, but you see that kind of uh, abuse. And the reason I focused in on him is because he made this video, which I used as a still shot of Broken, but he made this video for Nine Inch Nails that if you follow the video, it's following kind of the sequence of these type of MO, Smiley SFK crimes. They're driving around on the street. They see this young guy that fits the profile. He seems to be abducted. He shows up in some kind of torture dungeon room. They're torturing him. There's a blowtorch. Oh yeah, follow the... You can just go watch Broken by Itself. And with your, you know, mind's eye, just think about the the MO of what might be happening in this. And and Peter Kristoff is very smart. His father was a professor. He was very strange. He studied kind of like forensic, criminal forensics. Like he's not a criminal forensic guy, but he's studying those documents, those books for some odd reason. Like, so he wants to know it and very much mm-hmm. involved in what would we be called black magic black magic or occultism. And mm-hmm. uh, he was with a band called Coil, making videos for tons of other people, traveling to and fro in bands and uh, dark stuff. And he was homosexual too. So I think that that his preference was for the I mean the type of people that are being abducted in SFKM
0: yeah and like it just when something this obvious is not talked about a lot like you know they love to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer and they love to talk about Ted Bundy and most of the time American women Have a hard on for some type of weird (laughs) forensic files show or something about Ted Bundy tapes, something like that. But this is like just as bad, right up there with like Jeffrey. And nobody talks about it. It's like so hushed, and that's why it intrigues me, is because it's so in your face, obvious that this is a pattern, this is all connected, but it's like swept under the rug.
1: It's not fashionable to talk about the occult influence on crimes. That's one thing. So that's kind of been ingrained into people from the FBI and things like that. There's no motivation, which is really ridiculous because I can write an encyclopedia on occultists committing crimes. And I've actually done that in the context of refuting John Douglas's FBI view of the West Mm -hmm. Memphis three, which in my opinion is totally ridiculous. Um, Also a lot of the true crime uh, shows, which is the number one genre in podcasts, and I don't know if it's on TV, but definitely on podcasts, they focus on crimes that somebody's been convicted of, caught and convicted. This is a crime or cr- sequences of crimes that the perps have never really been properly identified because criminal justice or criminal law hasn't understood that this is actually a crime. They're looking at it as an accident yeah. so the people who are committing this this is almost like in the cons of the perfect cor- in the in the catalog or category of a perfect crime because they fooled the law enforcement into thinking these are ran- mm-hmm. these are accidental accidents if you look at them all in the pattern i think i had 88 victims in my first documentary 43 in my second and we can list off stuff that's happening. Right now. i got another 20 since the covid has ended or the the
0: another 20 about. since covid
1: Yes, Austin Redorath, Tyler Schaefer, Matez Paris, John Larson, uh, Brooke Morris, which is a woman, Josh Agnew, Christopher DeFridis, Nolan Gargas, Richard okor Augier, Hamid Fall, Alex Enflin, Brandon Sento, Nick Caligari, Andrew Earnhardt, Tay yi an Asian guy, Ladarian Wheat, the Chicago cases, there's something going on in Chicago right now, Jelani Day, Inaki Beskar, and Garrett Walker, Brian Bone, so... If you're in Chicago, you really gotta be careful. Got
0: autopsied.
1: I like I said, like I can't I could call and say, Can I have the autopsy? They said it's not public record. It's not a public record. You would have to be a family to request it. I think you probably have to pay for it. I don't really know. But I think it's really a public and it's it is interesting because the, the law enforcement within the last five years may be changing because mm-hmm. Dakota James had a meeting, I think it was with the Attorney, or was it the city attorney of Pittsburgh? And at that meeting was a member of the FBI and the Secret Service. So it wasn't she didn't know that they were going to show up. So that's what she told Gilbertson and Gannon. So that's really interesting. It's the first time I've ever seen kind of a a federal involvement in these in these types of cases.
0: And the families must think like, since they aren't aware there's a connection and that this has happened to, like, hundreds and hundreds of other young men, they're just thinking, like, why would my son go, like, why would he run away and then drown himself? Or, like, why would he run away and then, and now it, like, humiliates the victim because their families are like, oh, my God, he just ran away one day and then he killed himself or he jumped into a river or, and then... It almost, like, makes the families feel like maybe they did something to make him want to run away or, like, but they don't realize he was abducted, tortured, and then murdered. <laughs> like that. It's very it's sinister,
1: like- yeah. A lot of the families, not all of something say something's wrong. So if you read, look, watch my first documentary, I try to include statements from the parents because a lot of these parents go, no, this is not my son. No, he was murdered. No, there was there's one father, I can't remember what his name was now, there's so many names, but it was in, I think, Wisconsin, who said, my son was part, murdered by part of a roving band of people moving from city to city, killing young men. Like, he, wow. the father flat out said that, yeah. I don't remember a statement verbatim, but basically to that point. So even the parents kind of know something is amiss. And you even the original cases, I include like the mother of one of the kids out of, Lacrosse. She's like, what? Are, what's going on? What? This doesn't make sense. So they don't. They a lot of the parents have an uneasy feeling about what ha, what's happening. Like it doesn't it doesn't sound like their kid, or it just it doesn't add up. And it really doesn't add up. It's very strange to like like yeah. there are a lot of people like I've uh, had all kinds of so called debunkers uh, there, uh, but a lot of them like refer to like drowning statistics of people drowning during the day, or people who are victims. i'm saying like nobody sees these guys go into water they're not happening these are all nighttime crimes almost there isn't one element of one of these crimes that happened during the day has there
0: yeah. ever been an instance where one of these guys was at the bar with like a friend or something and their friend saw somebody leave with him is there any instance of that whatsoever
1: there is a whole, I could probably write a chapter in a book on the people who thought that they got drugged and might have been victims. So there's people who've been drugged, woke up in near water. There's people who've been thrown in water. There's people who've uh, woken up in strange places. People have been slipped mickeys. So that's very common. A lot of women are much more cautious about bar environment than men. Men don't think that they could be drugged. But there's druggings happening all over them. LA is very. I mean, I live in LA. I hear stories in LA, Mexico, Mexican resorts. So this is, I think, a kind of kind of drug with a very dark end. But some people are drugged, raped, and survive, and some people are drugged, rolled, their money is stolen. So there's a lot of stories. I mean, I can go back through, and I include. I think I included a couple of them in my first documentary, uh, which you can watch on Vimeo, of like a couple people who got drugged and. There was one guy, like he just told the judge, he said, I, I'm really sorry. I didn't know how I ended up there. And I think I was drugged. And the I think the judge gave him a light sentence because that was his conclusion too, because it didn't make any sense any other way. So, uh, yeah. And so why? I,
0: so it, it also, because it's not consistent with death every single time, makes me think some of them. Are involved in this club or cult, however you want to describe it, and they drug them and they do what they're going to do to them. And then it's like some of them can't go through with the murderous part. Some of them just want the sex, or some of them just want the money. But then you have like the real freakazoids who want to go through and murder them and torture them. And it's like, what are you into? this is how much this costs. This is how much this guy. You know what I mean? It's like, they're just like picking there's their yeah, adventure.
1: That's an excellent point. I mean, there's different types. You can look up the case of this is unbelievable because it was a guy by the name of Kevin Bacon, like the actor, but he was Kevin Bacon on Grindr and he disappeared And the literal actor because of the same name got involved in this case. It was uh, outside of Michigan and Kevin Mm -hmm. Bacon disappeared. The police were really on point. A lot of times I'm very critical of police, but in this particular case, really sharp, because they caved into this guy called Katunsky, and went to his house, and Katunsky played it easy. No, I don't know this Kevin Bacon. Don't know anything. And the cop said, you mind if we look around? He said, sure, you know, look around all you want. And they said, can we go downstairs? They went downstairs, and the cops were really smart and found a fake wall and a torture chamber in there. And Kevin Bacon oh, was my hanging. God. Yeah, Kevin Bacon was hanging upside down, and Katunsky had ate his testicles. <gasps> so th- this is just one. Now this is important because Katunsky, I think, is in court. Everything was delayed because of COVID, but I think he's only going to get busted for that one crime. Like this is a this is a guy who may have been working in a serial fashion. I don't know, and there was weird ties to him.
0: you have a torture chamber if you for one victim.
1: And you and so I, I caught a lot of Katunsky. he it is a weirdest story. It's almost like something from Silence of the Lambs. Like he was a straight guy with four kids who went gay and then became a gay prostitute. He was a Christ hater. So he had all this anti-christian stuff on there, had all of the iconography of the uh the gay, but all of his friends like you could see them put, it was almost like uh pizza gate, it was almost like comet pizza. They had weird codes, they had all kinds of weird wolf stuff. We howl at night. <laughs> we pity the people who run into us at night. I'm pitiless and they were they were homosexuals too. So you know, you don't know and there's weird like it gets strange because a lot of people cannot comprehend this, but a lot of those guys, people who Eiler and Kraft, both of those people, the writers who wrote the books about them, independently of each other, it was uh, Kolarik and McDonough, both independently said, these crimes are not committed by one person. Somebody else had to be helping them in certain situations. So th- there my- what's up.
0: They had to because right, I mean, right. there's no way one guy is capable of all that.
1: So, there may be like hunter killers going around in gay bars or regular bars or weird stuff. So, Katunsky is one element. Um, it just gets there's just who are the other cases I'm trying to think of? Like, there you can kind of see some of these people might be into very dark stuff, but yeah, Katunsky was one I did another one about another gay drugging rapist in England. His name was Stephen Port, who had four victims. But you can see the the calculation in his mind because he was trying, he was killing them, but he was trying to make it look like an accident. So he wrote all these suicide notes, said they were overdosed, made it look like they were druggies and overdosed, but he was GHBing them. And GHB in some of these, uh, especially in Gilbert and Gannon's research, is very prevalent in some of these victims. And GHB actually is it's already in our human body but what if you take it it elevates that level to something where you become you forget and you become listless and easily malleable and i think that that is why some people are
0: being drugged with that particular drug oh my god and you know the government and i don't know how far down the rabbit hole you've gotten on this kind of stuff but like they were testing LSD on people way back in like the 50s or 60s yeah, 50s and like, and like, like drugging people. whole towns with LSD. And like they were trying to create like willless subjects and stuff like that. And so it's it's kind of funny because the guy who was working on that project ended up suicided like quote unquote suicide but he was like dumped out of a window and he had been like drugged and clubbed and they made it look like an accident and he was working on that project where like basically if you want to get something from someone you drug them and then his name was was
1: was right and if you watch the documentary on netflix called wormwood his son knows the whole case inside out And he thinks that his dad was a conscientious objector because he was against Mm -hmm. these kinds of, uh, you know, abuse of the people. And they gave him the CIA treatment, which is, you know, fake suicide.
0: Oh yeah. Drugged clubbed and then like pushed out of a window. But it's funny because a lot of these suicides are murders and the same way like they're finding people drugged and in the water, it's it's too staged for me because, first off, if you have a torture chamber in your basement, it's more than one victim that you've had down there. That's obvious to me. You probably have help. You probably have some sicko that's, like, into the same stuff you are who's helping you get victims and then bringing them down there and chaining them up and doing all that. So, I don't know. I guess, like, there's been a lot of serial killers that have torture chambers and stuff
1: i think so yeah there's like yeah there people are kept women are kept usually i think uh but that's that would explain a lot of the the smiley face killers why these people aren't found for a time and then show up in previously searched areas is that they're kept somewhere for whatever reason or purpose
0: I heard you mention something about like a room 11 or something like that, where these elites go and torture people.
1: So I think it was called man's club or man, something in Chicago, which allegedly Obama was a president Obama was a Mm -hmm. patron and it's all scrubbed from the internet now, but they had within that kind of dungeon sex club, a room 11. So that's all gone. Did yeah.
0: that result in murder, or do you think they were just torturing people? And then,
1: yeah, I don't know. There's very strange kind of hellfire sex clubs of different variants. There's some here in L.A. So what they goes on? In, uh I grew up in San Francisco. There were all kinds of bathhouses and stuff where you could. Mm-hmm. And I kind of came across the same like same stuff researching these cases, like uh, cruising with Al Pacino that movie. But I don't know what goes on in there. I don't it can get pretty dark. Like there was one guy in DC, Arvin Sharma was his name. I can't believe I remember his name. Arvin Sharma was at a bar that doubled or was close to a BDSM uh, facility or, or place. Uh-huh. And he was disappeared. His brother says he must have saw something he wasn't supposed to see. Then later he was found up river from this place. Like he should have been down river, but he was later found up river in the water. So
0: oh my god and
1: he was he was from nepalese very strange he probably you know he just didn't uh, see any danger so um that's just one case so i I don't know what goes on in man's oh it's called man's country you can look up man's country i think it's still around
0: yeah i think i will but so do okay what do you think about like the isaac cappy stuff
1: i don't know much about it i didn't follow isaac cappy um, I don't know how credible he was. I mean, a lot yeah, of that stuff I, I thought I was kind of public either. information. I thought it was public information. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was stuff that he was just kind of like a conspiracy.
0: Yeah. You know. I mean, it's basically the same dog and pony show where he was saying all these elites are involved in torturous murder, child sex abuse rings. And half of me thinks that he knew a little bit. Because he might have been exposed to something. Some of it, I feel like, might be a stretch. But at the end of the day, I feel like you and I can both agree that there's some weird deviant sexual behavior going on that most of the time ends up in torture or murder. You
1: know, among the elites or rich people, absolutely. I think, it, I think it's kind of the modern age. It's something that happened with the internet, availability of porn. I looked into this whole thing called Kink, which is a documentary. I think you can still watch it on Netflix. But that was like, like a very dark, but people, like Kink was making tons of money. It was a, it was an old kind of like dungeon facility. I think it was an armory in San Francisco that they translated or transformed into kind of like a porn mm-hmm. chalet or palace. But the way they made money is they would have set shows and still, I don't know if they're still making money. They would have set shows and people would pay to watch the live show all over the world. So imagine that these were illegal in San Francisco. And then imagine, like, somebody taking it to the next level, the next level red room. And there's been some really verified horror stories of stuff like that happening in the Philippines and uh, things like that involving just unspeakable acts against children and people, yeah, that people paid and got into in the dark web.
0: Who was, like, the youngest of the smiley face victims?
1: Well, it's hard to tell, but, like, the, the thing about these victims is it seems like the college age is uh, is something Crime. about it? Must yeah, it must be about the the available victims because they're people who've left home and are in college and are kind of walking around. So a lot of the there's the preponderance of college towns: Boston, New York, um, Chicago, Minneapolis. So it seems like that there might be crimes that involve younger people, but. I think it's because they're not so many very young people because they're at home. Mom and dad are, or mm-hmm. mom or dad are looking after them. It's when they go off to college, they kind of don't see this kind of thing. I mean, I think that that's kind of, these are more recent crimes as things get darker in society days of Noah type stuff, like the literal, like, you know, prophecy, like horror stories of malevolence mm-hmm. in the world. That's what I think these crimes are a part of.
0: So the most recent ones have still been like college age guys, and they're found in water. And so, how recent is the most recent? Like within the last couple months?
1: Yeah, within the last month, some of these are popping up. So, oh my god, uh, yeah. And some of them, you can see that there's like an African American kind, of like there's four or five very unusual African American type of this type of mo in Chicago. That actually involved kind of a very well-known civil rights attorney called named benjamin crump i think it's name. Mm-hmm. and so he was representing one of the families trying to see who did this but i don't know if they see the larger broader pattern i don't think he he does it. he may not he may know it now somebody may have told him something but uh there was a guy ladarian wheat jelani day garrett walker brian bone these guys are all black guys but mm-hmm. yeah, so some of these cases I don't have the exact dates, but like Emily Fall, across Wisconsin, March 2022. That's fairly recent.
0: Oh um, my gosh! Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Christopher Defridis, De you can look up his name. He was 16, so he's under the college age, but he went missing later to be found in a pond. So that's another strange one. When these guys are found in ponds and stuff, like that's not—you just stand
0: up, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a pond, yeah. and. It does make me wonder. And and all of them had big gaps in between when they went missing and like when they were found, right?
1: Some were more than others. You know, I think I have to go back. I haven't really studied them specifically. But well, the ones that I studied before in the last two documents, definitely the strange thing that set them apart was the fact that there was such a long duration between disappearance and, and discovery.
0: Has it ever happened to two people like at the same time, like where they found two guys in the same pond or two no, guys but it, in the same?
1: It is interesting. And Jim Smith remembers these two cases. I don't remember them offhand, but two different disappearances in two different jurisdictions the same night and then later to be found in water.
0: Okay. So, so that's kind of what I was going for is like, has it happened like back to back or together at the same time? And it has. So. Yeah. And they still just say accidental drowning. <laughs> right.
1: It's much easier. I think that the police are really incentivized to get these off their books, say accidental. They don't want to do the legwork. They don't, I mean, that, to, to find out how this happened will take a lot of time. So I think that uh, it's unfortunate, but I think that their incentives are to just clear these cases and, and move forward. You know? And then I think a lot of it, maybe there's a kind of an anim, animus against the gay community than the police mm-hmm. so maybe the it's just some poor gay kid found in water it's not as important if young. yeah if it's somebody yeah. looked like their daughter or something they would go uh, crazy but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and so. i think maybe that's why they target gay men specifically is because it might and i'm not saying anything about like i'm not hate speech or anything like that but if it were young women that kept be like going missing for days and then f- showing up in a pond or in a river I mean people lose their shit over that they would go crazy mm-hmm. if we just started finding young ladies like missing and then found in lakes and rivers and ponds and I mean give me a break it's because oh well they're guys so they are strong and they probably you know got drunk fell in the water or they they were probably out and god knows what on a drug binge and then fell into someone like it just it's obviously clear to me that they are targeting a specific type of man because it's easily like ah who cares like uh he drowned
1: right right. no it's easy oh it's their fault misadventure he got drunk the problem is a lot of these guys aren't drunk some are but some if you look at a lot of these cases over and over you see that something strange happens these guys like start acting strange they start wanting to fight with people or they're acting they get kicked out zach marr in boston is one of them like you know it's it's you can just tell that there's something that's just not you no know, these are not normal situations and uh yeah
0: so where does the smiley face appear usually is it like written in marker on their body? Is it in the surrounding area, on their clothes?
1: What Gilbertson and Gannon said is they're finding these things where they think somebody put the body in water. So it's not where the body is found, but it's where Gilbert and Gannon think that upriver or somewhere where the body was put in water. And the Gilbert and Gannon say that they have other symbolism and iconography that they, aden- they can identify, but they've kept it close to their chest. They haven't shared it with the public. So
0: I we may find out is. more. Yeah.
1: And they're still working on stuff. Like they did that six part series on oxygen. They went on Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. They talked about these cases. So you can go back and look at those. Uh, but I think the my critique of that or their shortcomings was they didn't see the threat. They didn't seem, in my opinion, they didn't portray the greater threat and the how how this is happening at really a global scale in multiple jurisdictions so i think that that would be the shortcut because it's more than six cases we're at 60 we're at like 200 300 300 i I think i can list over two i can list over 200 yeah i can list over 200
0: do you think that it's gay men who are doing this or you think it's just freakazoid people
1: well, wow, it's a really good question like is it, I think they're targeted for a reason, but there could be like other things that are outside of a sexual motive, but I think they're I think a mix of people are doing it. I don't think you can put it into one thing. I think somebody learned the m o and put it in like somebody learns how to hypnotize people or something. they don't tell other people they know how to do it or financial fraud or something, so it's a technique, and I think that it's it's being shared somehow um through the internet or through secret message boards or something so you know it could even be
0: like it could be women who are involved in this and they have like a male accomplice and they go take this this poor man somewhere and chain him up and do whatever to him because i mean everybody always looks past women as like they couldn't be serial killers they definitely are you know there's women all over who have helped as an accomplice for their boyfriends or their husbands to get victims right because of the sense of comfortability and then they murder them
1: look at the moore's murders you can look at the toolbox killers and uh i think it was uh new mexico that guy had four women working with him in bars to get victims we don't know how many victims he had but there was clearly they were working out of bars to get victims and this guy would do Something probably or possibly similar to what's happening in the SFK. He would keep these people in a in a dungeon, like a literal torture chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't know the the public will never know. The other thing about that guy, the toolbox killer, he was an occultist too. So he had like pictures of Satan on the wall. Like there was something like not oh, right, right. Oh right.
0: forgot. So you see that
1: click connection, yeah. But um,
0: But William, like I would find it so easy. Like if you were at a bar and Like a young lady came up to you just chatting with you, whatever, and then went bloop and just slipped a little thing in your drink. You would never accuse her of doing something like that because it's a woman. And it's like it's like the homolcos or whatever their last name was in Canada. Homolco, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Barbie
1: doll killers or whatever they're called. He was like uh what was his name? Bernardo. Bernardo.
0: Bernardo, yeah. Yeah, to hell with him. And she was going and getting the girls. And even her own sister, she drugged her own sister and then let him go in there and do whatever to her. People all the time overlook women as accomplices to this kind of stuff. They literally could have a team of women who go and approach these guys in the bar, start rubbing their back, talking to them, chatting them up a little bit. And the next thing you know, you've got something in your drink or the bartenders could be in on it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I think these bartenders, yeah, you get the wrong bartender, you get somebody dark, they they can really be nasty to their clients. I've heard of mm-hmm. stories. So um, yeah, there's a, there's all kinds of possible perps. I think that that might be part of the problem, but uh, nobody is. I mean, I think that you, I mean, I don't want to get into too much detail, but it is kind of the perfect crime. You, you're in an environment where there may not be too many cops. You could not, you could Uh, fake your motives until the very Mm -hmm. end you know and the water
0: kind of distorts the body and bloats it in a way that even if there was like any type of dna or any kind of stuff like that it would not be able to be found right right. i'm thinking like if you're swollen and bloated right.
1: right I got to wrap this up. I got to go out to, I got to be somewhere in a half an hour. I'm sorry to, to have, oh, okay, to no, is there anything you want to add or I mean, have we been about? Oh
0: no, no. I think that was really great. I, I that- am really interested in this kind of stuff. So I'm glad that you know enough about it to kind of,
1: I unfortunately know a lot. You can watch all my stuff of two documentaries on the subject at William Ramsey Investigates. And I've also, I mean, at uh, Vimeo, but I've also done a lot of interviews on my podcast about this, this subject. People pick my mm-hmm. brain from many podcasts. So you can go to my podcast and just type in SFK on any podcast, uh, any podcast website. And you'll just see how, how many times I've talked about. You can also see my understanding develop because I started in 2016 and I've gotten more experience in watching and have more cases mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's kind of uh, advanced. So you can hear Jim Smith, who's talked about this. Igor Sarsky, who's covered possibly the motive um it gets very dark, but you people have to be careful yeah, and I'll put,
0: um I'll put your podcast info and your website in the show notes so people can go check that out too okay, but thank you so much thank for you. coming on, William. Thanks. I really appreciate it
1: all right, take care. thanks so much. I appreciate uh, thank- you having me back
0: absolutely right. thank you.
1: take care. have a good one. bye-bye you too. So, the deaths of dozens of young men across 11 states and 25 cities were declared accidental drownings, but now new surveillance video puts them back in the headlines. It's called the Smiley Face Killer. That case has become front page news again. There's a lot more to it than we know.
0: This was abducted in a cargo van. He was driven around Minneapolis for hours and tortured. These are young, highly intelligent, very athletic young men uh, that disappear after the night of drinking very suspiciously. Most of them have
1: GHB, which is a date rape drug. How did this drug wind up in the body? It incapacitated them.
0: They have injuries. They are held for a period of time because there's no decomposition on the body for the amount of time that they're missing. And then they're deposited in bodies of water to re- be recovered later, drowned. But most of them doesn't even have water in their lungs. We knew it wasn't suicide. And it was just, um, you know, one of those things where he walked out and then was never seen again. Don, the group tracking the smiley face killer cases say they've added several new cases to their database. They say the cases they're studying date back actually to 1997, maybe even earlier. Now, in all, they've looked at more than 150 drownings in the U.S., which they call suspicious. We find it on a tree at the Port of Albany, New York. A smiley face painted in white, staring back at us. What do you see here? What I see is... uh A circle, two eyes, a nose, no mouth, but it clearly represents a smiley face. Bill Sostak believes this smiley face was left behind by someone who killed his son.